Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is The Pretender. Now, here's Bill Almack. Have you ever tried to bargain with God? God, if you will, I will. When you were younger, this probably involved, or if you were a guy around girls, Lord, if you'll just please make her like me. She's so cute. I promise I'll be good. Or curfew as you're driving home well over the speed limit. Lord, if you help me get home on time, if my parents don't find out and I don't get a ticket, I will. Right? We get a little bit older as adults and we still do the same thing. We still bargain. Right? It looks a little different. Maybe sometimes as adults we say things like, Lord, if you'll just help so-and-so get better, I'll do anything. Right? And we try to leverage God's power for our own way, for our own plan, for what we have. And we, you know, don't raise your hand. But some of us, Lord, if you just help my team win this year, it'd be so great. They haven't won since 1952, Lord. (laughs) And we do this. And some of us maybe are past that. Maybe we're on the other side of that because we're saying, God, you didn't, so I won't. Right? God, you didn't, so forget it. Not going to do it. I don't believe anymore, Lord. I prayed. You didn't do it. I'm out. We want to bargain with God. You know, we're in the midst of our series, The Bad Boys of Easter. We're doing number two today. We're talking about the pretender. And the pretender, he tried to use God's will and purposes and power for his own gain. Right? He tried to get God to do his own bidding. And when God didn't do it, he bolted. And there's a little bit of Him in all of us. Right? Because when I asked you if you had bargained with God, I could see it and hear it. Right? We've done this before. So, um, today's character sometimes gets referred to as a thief. But maybe con artist would be a better description of of kind of what he was and what he did. Um, You probably know him. Judas Iscariot. Right? See, for Judas, there was always three sides to everything. The right side, the wrong side, and my side. How am I going to benefit from this? How am I going to be able to leverage this to benefit me, to move me forward? We do the same thing sometimes. When God won't bargain, we get upset. But it's really weird when you think about bargaining with God. What do you have that God needs? Right? 
I mean, a bargain is that you, you know, somebody has something you want and you have something they want and, you know, you, you can trade for it. What does you have that God needs? Really strange when you stop and think about it. Judas learned that God doesn't barter with us. We have no bargaining power. But before we get to the story of Judas, we've got a little backstory. Remember in the story of the rich young ruler, right? He comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says, follow the commandments and the law. The guy says, got it, been doing it, it's good. And he says, okay, then sell everything and follow me. And he walks away sad. And Jesus turns to the disciples and essentially what he says is, it's difficult for rich people to follow me. They have a lot to give up. And Peter, bless his heart, says something that he probably shouldn't have said. We see it in Matthew 19. Peter answered him, We have left everything for you. What then will there be? Read it with me. For us. Again, for us. Who is Peter worried about? Numero uno. I'm gracious enough to include the other 11 disciples, but really, what's in it for me? What can I get? See, they had very Old Testament expectations of the Messiah. That Jesus is going to come and He's going to kick those crummy Romans out of here. Boot them back to Rome. And he's going to bring Israel back to its heyday. Maybe they should have had make Israel great again as their slogan. (laughs) Because they thought that's what Jesus was going to do. And that he was going to raise up this army and kick them out. But there were some problems with that. Because Jesus was not antagonistic towards the Romans. In fact, he even paid taxes. And he was very antagonistic towards the Jewish leadership. We talked about that last week. And he was going to need their help to beat those crummy Romans. And he wasn't building a war chest because you need money if you're going to have an army. And Jesus wasn't doing it right. Silly, huh? And the tipping point was an extraordinary act of generosity. Open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 26. This happens in Bethany. Bethany, remember, is a mile and a half outside Jerusalem. It's kind of like a little suburb. It's a small little village at the time. Okay, And they're there, and this act happens that we're going to read about in Matthew 26. You've probably heard this story before. While Jesus was in Bethany the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. Wow. Now, we're going to see this later in a minute. John tells us that that bottle of perfume was worth a year's wages. I want you to think about that. I don't know how much you make in a year, but imagine spending that on a bottle of perfume. 
the average uh, income, I think, in the U.S. right now is about $50,000 or something like that. Imagine spending $50,000 on a bottle of perfume. Let's just say that, you know, that's too expensive. You know, things have changed. Let's just take half of that. We're going to spend $25,000 on a bottle of perfume. No, that's still too much. How, how about 10000 Five? Okay, one. Th- let's just say it's worth $1,000. You're going to spend $1,000 on a bottle of perfume? You've really got to like somebody to spend $1,000 on a bottle of perfume. Now, this is, it was obviously very expensive. It came sealed in a jar, and the only way to get it open was to break it open. It didn't have a lid, so you had to open it and use it all at once. $50,000 all at once. And so she's busy pouring this on Jesus' head. Which, by the way, wouldn't have been that unusual. Um, they often put perfume or scented oils on their head or on their feet. They didn't bathe quite as much as we do, and so that helped keep things pleasant. Okay? When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Right, the money given to the poor. That's what we want to do with the money. Because we're worried about Jesus not building up his war chest to kick those crummy Romans out of here. Okay? They were angry over something that had been done. Now, Jesus always seemed like he was ahead of the game. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Burial? What are you talking about, Jesus? What, what good is a dead Messiah? We, that's not what we need. That's not what we want. Do you know how long we've been waiting for you, Jesus? We've been waiting, and our fathers have been waiting, and their fathers have been waiting, all the way back to Abraham. And you're going to up and die? That doesn't help us. See, Jesus, you're doing it wrong. Now, what happens next is wild. This is really important, okay? This is really crazy. Look at this. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's like 15 of us here in this little podunk town of Bethany. The crowds aren't here. Nobody's going to know about this. What are you talking about? Preached throughout the world. Nobody knows, Jesus. What she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus prophesied that we would always hear about this woman. How many of you had heard this story before today? Jesus' prophecy was true. It was absolutely true. We've been talking about this woman for the last 2,000 years. Very exciting stuff. 
I can tell by the look on your faces you don't think that's so exciting. (laughs) This is really cool stuff. Jesus made a prediction right there. They didn't understand one bit of what he was talking about. Jesus has been hitting the sauce again. I don't know what's going on. Right? They completely over their heads. And now we look back and go, he was absolutely correct. Absolutely told us the truth. All right. Well, I thought that was really cool. Okay. If we jump over to John real quick, look what John says about this story in chapter 12. It says, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Ah, that's why we care about the $50,000. All right, so now... I imagine about this point, Judas has just given up. I've put three and a half years into this. I've been walking around with this guy. We've been sleeping on rocks. This is not working out. This is going nowhere. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked him, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Now remember, they were in Bethany. They were a mile and a half from Jerusalem. So Judas has to figure out a way to get out of the little party they're in, walk a mile and a half at night in the dark into Jerusalem and find the high priest. This was not something he did on a whim. This was planned. This was thought out. Right? So he goes in to the high priest and he says, What will you give me if I deliver him to you? Now, the high priest, remember we talked about him last week, Caiaphas. This was worth something. Because... Remember the crowds that are always around Jesus? It was difficult to grab Jesus when he's surrounded by the crowds because the crowds might turn on you. And that could end very badly for you. And now here's somebody said, what will you give me if I turn him over to you? If we find a quiet place where the crowds aren't. He had their attention. So, they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. Now, I tried to go to the bank and get 30 pieces of silver. They wouldn't give it to me. They didn't even have 30 silver dollars, which was highly disappointing. So what we have today is 30 quarters. which actually are probably worth about more than the silver pieces were back then. There it is. Those quarters are actually probably a little bit larger 
than the silver piece they would have. And these aren't obviously silver. Hey, this one might be. I'm keeping this one. Um, most of them have copper in the middle, right? But there it is, 30 pieces of silver. That was the price of a slave. That's how much that was worth. Not very much. And I think who in their right minds would give up a relationship for Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? That seems crazy. And I think about the things that I have done when I turned my back on Jesus. And probably none of them were worth 30 pieces of silver. I probably turned my back on God for a lot less than that. I suspect most of us probably have at one time or another. 30 pieces of silver. Wow. Not very much. The price of a slave. The Bible tells us, from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Now, I don't know if Judas is just giving up, and he's trying to get out of his three-year investment, whatever he can, or if maybe he's trying to force Jesus' hand. Say, you know, I'll, I'll force Jesus into this. He'll get out of it. He always does. He'll have some snappy answer. He'll, he'll perform some miracle. It'll be okay. But this will force his hand and he'll have to become king and become the Messiah. And so we get ready for the Passover a few days later. You know the story. They're in the room celebrating Passover. And how disturbing it was for them when Jesus takes off his coat and puts a towel around his waist and washes the disciples' feet. Because that was for somebody that was worth 30 pieces of silver. That's not what your rabbi does. Right? Very much a class-oriented system. And the people that were worth 30 pieces of silver were the people that washed your feet. And all the disciples said, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. Of course, Peter said it out loud. Jesus says, hey, you got to let me wash your feet. And Peter says, well, then wash the whole thing, Lord. Right? Peter was either all in or all out. We switch over to John for the rest of the story. It says, Very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. Now they're sitting around the table, they're leaning back, they're eating, and Jesus says, One of you is going to betray me. And again, it goes to the disciples like, What is Jesus talking about again? Who's going to betray us? What's going on? They don't understand what he's talking about. Can you imagine what Judas thinks when Jesus says that? Oh, no. He knows. Well, of course he knows. He knows everything. He answers questions before people ask him. How did I think I could keep this from him? 
Peter's been carrying around that stupid sword for three years. Tonight's the night he gets to use it. Jesus leans over to Judas and says, What you're about to do, do quickly. See, I got your back. It's okay. Go ahead and do it. See, God honors your freedom so much that He will not stop you from doing things that are destructive. Because He honors your freedom that much. And He tells Judas, go ahead and do what you're going to do. I'm not going to stop you. Do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Once again, the disciples are sitting around going, Jesus, what's he talking about? Did you get it? I, I don't know what he's talking about. Judas leaves and it says, When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Now, right now, the betrayal has started. See, somewhere at the supper, um, somebody must have said, Hey, you know, after supper, why don't we go out to the garden and we'll walk around? Maybe we'll pray a little bit. And Judas said, Yeah, it's my opportunity. But I got to figure out how to get out of the room to go tell. Caiaphas and his cronies that they can grab Jesus. Can't text him. How am I going to get out of here? And Jesus says, Go. Go. Wow. Now the Son of Man is glorified. See, because all is going as planned, and God's will cannot be thwarted. It cannot be overcome by our will. Now, again, I I don't know what Judas was really thinking. Maybe he had thoughts that Jesus would somehow get out of this. But when he saw that Caiaphas had turned... Jesus over to the Romans, he knew this was bad. See, because the only thing that the Jews needed the Romans for was execution. The Jews could run their own country. They could punish people. They could do all they wanted to do. They couldn't kill anybody. The Romans had to do that. So Caiaphas drums up a charge of sedition. Jesus claims to be king. He's going to overthrow the Romans. And that's how he gets Rome to execute Jesus. And when Judas saw that happen, he knew that it was pretty serious. If we go back to Matthew in 27, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and to the elders. What had been of great value one moment was completely worthless the next. 
What had been worth holding on to and giving up stuff for was an embarrassment the next. Remember we talked about this last week. The things that we often regret the most are things that we held on to at the cost of our relationship with God. And that happened to Judas nearly instantaneously. Verse 4, I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That is your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. He went away and hanged himself. Too many people hang on to something instead of Jesus that instantly becomes worth less and less. And the value of it diminishes almost instantaneously because we thought that was worth more than our relationship with God. See, when I hold on to stuff, when I want to barter with God instead of surrendering, we are responsible for the outcome of the journey. When I say, God, I know what I'm doing and I can take care of it, I'm responsible for what happens. That's what the priest told Judas. God is not going to get in the way of your bad decisions. He honors your freedom too much. Too much. He's not going to stop you. When we surrender, instead of hanging on, when we surrender instead, God takes responsibility for the outcome of the journey. That's a much better way. That's a much better way. What have you been tempted to trade your relationship with God for? The world offers up lots of stuff. Various habits and addictions that promise us a good time. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? What do you trade it for? Do you trade it for acceptance into a group? Control or power at work? The safest, most secure place in the world is dead smack in the center of God's will. But we have to surrender and stop holding on. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to surrender, Lord. I don't know why the little shiny bits of this world that it offers us are so compelling, Lord. Help us to see past the glitz and the false promises and the hopes, Lord, and to hold on to You, the God who was the Alpha and the Omega.
the God who was there before the beginning and the God for which there will be no end. So much better, Lord, than holding on to just some shiny bits of something here. Help us to have the courage to realize that, Lord. Help us to have the courage to stop bartering and to start surrendering. Lord, you know the struggles that each of us go through, and they're different for us. Lord, help us to to be able to get past that holding on. I know that you won't keep us back from our freedom, and that we're free to choose whatever we want, Lord. But give us the courage, give us the strength, give us the wisdom to choose wisely, Lord. Be with us now. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.